And then, yeah, I just bought a ton of beer for tonight. We're probably just going to, like, play. He's an, an old N64. And so we'll play, like, NFL Blitz and these NBA Jam and these games and just drink and stuff. It'll be fun. I like that. I'm going over yeah. to my friend's house to go play uh, Last of Us. Oh, yeah. On like, PS3. crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Everyone's I, pissed at Halo, the new Halo because it's not split screen. You can't do, like, two-player. Oh, there's no co-op mode? That sucks. No. Kind of bullshit. That was, like, Uh-oh. what made that game awesome. You froze for a sec, but now you're back. Am I frozen? I can see you still. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, it like, um, it froze for a second for me, but... Mine did that, too, but I guess okay. we're back, so that's good. Now we're good. <clears throat> okay. You ready to do this? Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to <laughs> This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, the uh, recently rebounded Chris Husted. That's right. We are recording on Saturday afternoon, and we do apologize for the delay, but we are happy to be with you here today, and we are just happy Chris is alive, really. Um, <laughs> so here's what happened. I had a pretty nasty cold like right after we recorded last week and then I also have some digestive issues uh, uh, that I have to deal with all the time so I was having that and then on top of that I got a rash (laughs) in a lot of places that aren't great and a lot of places well no place is great Uh, and it was all happening once so my immune system just went crazy and started like kicking everything out of my body and so I had to uh, go to the doctor and get it all looked at. But I'm all okay. I'm okay. I'm all good. He's back. He's rebounded. We're happy to say so because we have so much to discuss. And what oh, would yes. I do if I was just here monologuing into a microphone by myself? No one wants oh, to hear be that. Fine. <laughs> I uh, feel like people would. Without your color commentary, this podcast is nothing. Let me tell you. Um, <clears throat> True. So... We, because it's the afternoon, Chris is still rebounding. He's drinking an emergency, I believe he told me. Emergency uh, and some coffee. So this is going to be one of our more, co- more coherent podcasts. <laughs> I'm just drinking a water here. Um, but it'll be good for analysis purposes, because there is a lot to talk about. Of course, we are discussing today episode five, called Hotel Room Service. So many things I want to kind of dive into. Before we kick it off, I always appreciate when we have new and interesting theories from different fans um, through email and stuff like that, which is to say, always, we really appreciate your comments and your questions. Keep sending them, thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com, facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. And of course, we love your ratings and reviews on iTunes, so keep that up too. We, it, indeed we do, and we try to reply to them all as, mu- as best as we can. Um, <clears throat> so two good theories that came through the inbox this week. One was from uh, Carrie, who commented that she had a theory uh, connecting Murder House Actually, we had two theories connecting Murder House to this season, both of which are good, both of which I think have been um, theorized kind of on a broad, more broadly in the media and stuff like that. And so I think it's worth discussing both of them because I think we're probably going to be approaching that connection relatively soon. Right. Uh, so the first one is that it has to do with Black Dahlia from season one, if you'll remember correctly. The Black Dahlia character we had in Murder House. Um, and how she basically ends up dying and... This was I the think. actress, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But I guess the real Black Dahlia, who won a plastic uh, surgery, according to Carrie, was right. Was last seen at the hotel at the Cecil Hotel, which is this, the hotel that um, <clears throat> the Cortez is kind of, uh, I guess, an homage to, so to speak. So we could have a Black Dahlia connection, which could do some some connecting between the murder house and this one. Of course, that wouldn't be really connecting to the um, the Harmon family at all. It'd probably be more hearkening back to that time period. Um, and kind of the, what went on then. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, she was last seen at the Cecil Hotel right before her body was found. So that could be one potential link. Another link, and actually people have seen Lady Gaga filming out in front of the murder house. This is another theory. And maybe they'll do both of these. Who knows? Ooh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I read an article that she's been spotted outside the house. Um, this theory was that, uh, let's see, the Countess is... Billed as Elizabeth on Wikipedia. So the Countess's real name is Elizabeth, according to our friend Amy here. And so she theorizes that um, it's actually James March's wife, which I think we're... Right. We're all kind of thinking that because we've seen the hair um, of his that wife. That platinum blonde hair, yeah. Right. Which is so, so distinguishable. It's either implied or it's a trick. I don't know. <laughs> it's it, Yeah, it's either a red herring or that's what they're implying. Yeah. So this theory says that um, basically uh, the Countess gets pregnant. And for some reason, you know, doesn't want to have the baby. So she goes to um, the Montgomery's to have it taken care of, which I think that timeline would add up correctly. I think so, yeah. And someone correct us if we're wrong, but I think that timeline would about add up. And so um, basically they take it in our, let's see. So basically the, the connection is that the Countess ends up going to uh, the murder house or the murder house to get a, a procedure done, which I think would be that would you know those two connections would both make sense, and so I I'm kind of hoping for a connection that makes sense. Right, I agree. So I that, think that's a, that's an easy one. They're both in L.A., so it's the closest crossover. Right. right. So I think that both of those are potential. So that's kind of those were good theories, and we appreciate both of those. Now let's dive into hotel room service. All right. Uh, first thing I, I want to talk about, episode. of course, is Al. Mm. Alex, Alex's timeline, her storyline, which um, she goes back to work. So, you know, after being changed, um, I'm going to kick things off immediately with my thought on this particular plot line of the three. My okay. least favorite, because I felt like it didn't make there was so many things that didn't make sense to me in this plot line. I want to hear if you have separate ideas. OK, um, so Alex is obviously back at work and hungry with for blood. boy. With measles mm-hmm. boy, and um, we you know we're we already knew knew she'd been changed. This is our first time I guess seeing her interacting in the world as having been changed into a vampire. Um, so she drinks all those blood samples in the closet, which I, is interesting because this is the first um, sort of self control we've seen from a vampire who you know the first vampire who isn't feeding off of another living person. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because she she seems like she's one of those more uh, she cares about people enough that she doesn't want to murder someone. Um, that being said, she is quite a sloppy eater. Yeah, she like, made a huge mess work. of it. Right, but she uh, and then she had to take her her lab coat off, I think. But it was almost yeah, she was able to still kind of retain her morals, which we haven't really seen from any of the other vampires necessarily. Right. They slip right into that uh, lifestyle and killing people, no problem. Um, so she ends up 
obviously, um, we get a lot of fisheye lens here, which I think we've harkened before to like looking through a peephole at a hotel, which I think is, is apt. Um, it kind of, uh, it, it impresses, I think, that kind of voyeur feel more. Like you're looking in um, on someone's life that you're like seeing things you're not supposed to see a little bit, you know. Right. And we get to that scene where um, the kid with measles is about to die, and she decides to turn him. So what do you think about this? Compassion or fear because she failed or actually those are probably that's the only thing that makes sense for Alex's character. I think it's I think it's compassion. She wants to save um, her life. Right. So my only and I want to hear what you think. My okay. only justification for first of all why she went back to work and second of all why she did this is because she really values she really values her job and I mean it seems like moving forward, she's not going to go back to being a doctor. She's going to be a full-time maid for the vampire case. But for some reason, at this point, she still decided she had unfinished business she had to go do first. Right. Which was to try to take care of this kid. Save this kid. I think that makes sense, actually. Yeah. And so I think I also, maybe that's why she goes back to work. Right. I, and I also think this whole incident, may, it gives her the realization that she can't uh, continue working at the hospital or as a doctor. She She needs to become full-time full-time you know nanny for gaga's vampire kids right and i think with turning um mad mansions um from twin peaks nice shelly i totally see it i don't think we know her name so let's just call her shelly shelly's son i think part of turning him was also uh, obviously her decision making has been compromised at this point you know she is kind of doesn't really know what's going on, and I, you know, you got to think that she has just at the just recently been kind of overwhelmed by this parental um, desire to do whatever it takes to be with your child, right? Right. Right. She exactly. makes the ultimate sacrifice to be with Holden. That's spot on. So, so you think that when she's kind of in this vulnerable state, it's almost as if she's doing the exact same thing for Shelley to be with her son. Right, she wants to prevent whatever happened with Holden, which is losing her son in a way. He, he, she, he wants, she wants Shelley to not have to deal with that. Right, and I guess maybe the other part is she's trying to prevent the spread of measles. Could be another thing too. Um, she was so on her for not. Yeah, because uh, obviously the it ended up healing the measles. Uh, little did she know that apparently this kid's a sociopath. Um, <laughs> Well, I think I think it's just the virus. Let's talk about that in a minute because I think that's something that a lot of people had differing opinions on. I agree. I agree. <clears throat> okay, so obviously the kid bounces back, um, and they're kind of all impressed about the healing properties here. And I, I, when they're talking about, you know, the nurse is talking about how amazing this is, and Alex is kind of thinking about the power of the virus. In a way, it kind of makes you think of. Um, the vampire virus as a vaccine for everything because there's you know vaccines have been such a theme i guess in the season so far i was almost wondering if like alex is going to concoct this plan to like inoculate everybody as many people as possible to try to prevent them from oh i didn't think she'd go that far i I don't know i think she was just she was like trying to save the kid and then like and then whoops this kid oh my god okay we got to get into it yeah yeah okay so back at home do we know the kid's name i i don't remember his name i think it's max is it max 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 i think you're right i think it's max 
so Max uh, pretty instantly kills his parents, including Shelly. Not he doesn't so, yeah. change them. He slits their throats with a no, giant eats, butcher yeah. knife. Yeah. So, so, all right. So you think that when he was changed, does it like make it so they kind of don't have an appreciation for their past relationships? Does it kind of make it so? Uh, I think. Well, I mean, that's probably a little deep for American Horror Story. <laughs> um, but I'm sure. I'm sure there's some significance there, uh, where where you know. A, a child growing up and having to become more powerful or, or learning enough and losing their innocence and having to take down their parents. It's kind of a age old narrative that uh, happens where the kids grow up. This is probably, I don't know, it might be referencing that or it could be just something awesome and silly that American Horror Story wanted to do. Kill Shelley from Twin Peaks. For sure. Well, and I think that also, you know, thinking he is a kid and this disease is affect you know, all of a sudden he kind of has these, power so to speak um he didn't have before you can kind of quickly when you're immature like that be so consumed by your newfound power as even tristan is at his age right that you know maybe um yeah and i guess we really don't know what his relationship was like with his parents before he got sick right all we knew is his mom was neglectful and didn't vaccinate him or call the hospital or anything when he was, like, on the brink of death. So maybe they were just shitty parents. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were. <laughs> well, and, and like, obviously, like, the, the dad realized. wasn't at the hospital or anything. We exactly. never met the dad before, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah is, so maybe they were just terrible parents. <laughs> and he's like, well, Mom, you're going first. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they're not, but I do want to say that, like, <clears throat> they're not very efficient in draining blood out of people. It seems like they just kind of leave a lot in there. Um, <laughs> they're so messy. Yeah, and I mean it's his first they're time. They're so messy. Yeah, you know he's got to hone it. He's not quite the countess yet. That takes years. There's a that learning curve <clears throat> for sure. So he ends up going to school. I, I liked that this was still a Halloween episode, even though we kind of had a continuing Halloween theme. Over it was, yeah, yeah. So he goes to the Halloween party, and he kind of has that girlfriend. Um, this was a big question I had for you, and I think it was very interesting. All the kids kind of started getting so. Okay, he started, he changes his girlfriend pretty girl, yeah. quick off the bat here. Well, after slicing his teacher's throat, right? And after slicing his teacher's throat, but a lot of these kids start getting measles. They did. I thought that was just blood on them. I thought that a lot of them were actually like had measles, and the other ones were he changed some and didn't change others, and a lot of them seemed like they had like the red measles spots. Oh, I thought that was just like blood on their faces from eating uh, the. Oh, uh, maybe it was blood splatter because that would make a lot more sense. Because I was like, why would they all have the measles all of a sudden? Right, because the, the the thing cures you. Mm-hmm. Um, I okay. Well, what did you think about this whole thing? I, oh, it was, I I, oh, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. It was it it, it feels very like on its own island of a story. But it's such a great Halloween horror story. Well, and there was a couple little homages I kind of felt like in here. I felt like, first of all, like those kids swarming on somebody felt like a zombie kind of thing. You know, when they like all swarmed on that, um, I think it was the principal. Yeah. Um, Also, like you have a little bit of like a Children of the Corn kind of vibe where we're going to take down all the adults. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And also, what's that? What's that book where all the kids are on the island and like brutally killing people? Lord of the Flies. Um. Uh, Lord of the Flies, Lord of the Flies. Yeah. yeah So, you know, you have all these precedents of crazy kids wreaking havoc on adults Which is what this was Oh yeah, it was great I, It was so cool So, 
it, it did it felt very Stephen King to me for some reason and maybe because of Children of the Corn I don't know yeah I also got a little bit of um, the Omen Damien oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. a little bit All but, just um, aim all kids yeah it, it, it was it felt like its own little vignette of a Halloween horror story and it was even though I have no idea what the repercussions are going to be if they're even going to follow up with this that there's going to be all this progeny everywhere in L.A. It was so fun. I, had, I I don't think I've had that fun watching something silly and scary at the same time, uh, an American Horror Story, in a little bit. These kids were pretty smart. The way that, like, when the SWAT team yeah. arrives and everything, they, they just, like, all came together and made up this, like, you know, thing about a school shooter or something like that. Or not a, a, school, a man with a knife, I think they tell. A tall man with a knife or something was, like, their the story they all agreed upon. But, like... Obviously, no one's going to think that the kids are all crazy. So, this, yeah, this is basically... I, I feel like we have to kind of... You can't leave this totally in. And I hope I that know, maybe even it's like... so fun. I hope that it's kind of like... You know how um, I think in... I don't remember what part it was, but like the TV's on in the background and you see in the news like the massacre at the school yes, or something. That's right. I hope that we like keep getting TVs in the background that are like... Um, like like terrible, like murder, murders all over in LA, LA under quarantine, something like that. Yeah. This is like, uh, it's like uh, Fear the Walking Dead, the uh, <laughs> the origin story. Right. You know, I said at the beginning of this that this was my least favorite storyline. That's not at all true. Now that I'm talking about it, I'm talking about I, yeah, I it's actually gotten really more fun. Storyline. I'm glad and Alex the, fucked up. The homages were kind of fun, too. Yeah. So that was like, yeah, and it's really interesting. Oh, yeah. The implications of it, because obviously she did it out of compassion, and it ended up like killing way more people than she would have then it was worth just saving the kid. So yeah, there's some like ethical yep. questions here too. Uh, but kind of following Alex, um, at the end of this kind of storyline for Alex, you know, she gets to see Holden and the governess basically says, you're going to be the new nanny. Cause the last nanny was crappy <laughs> or the governess. Yeah. She's you're going to be a governess, She's like, uh, which made I'm me think of the sound of music. That's a, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> for my uh, Maria, <laughs> she is um, blonde. Which, uh, uh, quick side note: um, Have you seen the movie Good Night, Mommy? No, but I've heard creepy. I just saw it last things. night. It was it was really good. It was really good. But the opening scene is of the Von Trapp family singers singing. It's an Austrian film, so. But it, it was anyway. It's for Eli Maria is kind of on my mind. Ooh, to, hey, I gotta watch that one. Um. So, I think that the Countess here hints at uh, the mind-altering capabilities that we'd talked about thinking the vampires had a little bit. Yes, um, the little glamour effect. Mm-hmm. Like, and being able to manipulate people's minds a little bit. Um, Alex is obviously sharing a coffin now with Holden. Um, even though these kind of glass coffins are not necessary, so it seems. Um, yeah. It's more for effect than anything. Also, Stephanie noticed in this scene that the coffin at the bottom left in the pool had the front of it was smashed. Oh, I didn't notice that. I wonder what she, happened. Yeah, my wife pointed that out after. So I don't know if that's just a little tease for whoever caught it or if there's going to be some implications we don't realize. Did you get creepy uh, tones for them sharing a bed? There's a lot of Oedipal complexes happening, I think. Well, and there was even a little bit, was it last episode? Whatever episode where Alex was like really fawning over how much she loved Holden. It was like 
to a almost uncomfortable degree. Right. She called him his her soulmate, and now she's sharing a coffin with him. And the way it the, the it's shot when they're going to bed, they're like face to face in an almost sexual way, which is yeah, really creepy. Ugh. Very uncomfortable, absolutely. And then um, I'm saying we got. I mean, we also have like Donovan and his mom when he turned her. That was a little creepy. And even, even, I mean, we'll get to it, but Ramona even calls it, like, is this an edible thing, or are you just, like, crazy? Yeah, you, I guess there is, that is kind of another theme running through it, is, like, on, I mean, obviously, parenting was a natural theme in this, this season, but a little bit of Oedipal Complex kind of stuff, too. Yeah. Um, Which, and, um, I read a thing, and we can talk about this as it goes along, I read a piece about how um, Ryan Murphy, uh, generally used to focus on the kids perspective and this season it's been more evident that he's uh, taking the parents perspective because he's now a parent himself i think we've talked about this actually right because i mean in scream queens is is the same yeah obviously focusing on parenting or that a lot too right and this this episode of american horror story hotel was definitely uh i think the two themes were parenting and uh transitioning Yes, absolutely. And uh, the other thing I wanted to um, say, actually point out that I think we had maybe missed before or like misunderstood. I think Holden is older than Scarlett in age. Oh, I thought they were I twins. Think... Oh, they were. Are they twins? I thought that she said that. Um, oh, maybe not. They were. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, either they're twins or Holden's older. I okay. had one point. For, I had thought that Holden was younger, just because obviously he looks younger. But then that's just because he, he hasn't aged. aged. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it would also make sense then why she said like when Holden came, she had a, that's why she had a close relationship to her first baby maybe than her second baby, or if they are twins for some reason to the boy, I don't know. Right. Um, but the next, yeah, next plotline I want to talk about is the Donovan and Iris kind of. Poly- I mean, this is mostly mm-hmm. not really. It's it's mostly Iris actually. Mostly Iris, because she kind of connects it's the Iris Donovan and, and Ramona storyline. Uh, Iris Taylor. and uh, and Liz Taylor, which this is great. My favorite storyline. Of, <laughs> of course, it is. Episode. <laughs> we get an origin story. So Donovan's kind of being mean to mean to Iris immediately again. I felt like after he like had this, they finally like made a connection. Yeah. I also kind of felt like Iris didn't appreciate like that Donovan had finally turned a corner and like the fact that he brought her back to life and didn't want her to die because she's so depressed after coming back. It's like you finally got what you wanted. Your son was really yeah. like willing to sacrifice like make a major sacrifice to keep you around um but they show up at ramona's ridiculous whitewashed mansion and um they want to team up using iris as kind of the inside player right because she's essentially the operations manager of the whole hotel cortez right but she's tripping about that because she's like the countess will know she'll know immediately she went from being really like ballsy not ballsy but just like confident and 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 you know like when she and remember the first episode with the two girls she goes and like I don't know she, she's like really confident person to she's broken like completely broken and I would say by the end she's confident again in this episode yes. thanks to Liz Taylor thanks to Liz Taylor I would also say though that, did you the hipsters were awful uh, um, did you feel a little bit of sexual tension between Donovan and Ramona in this scene too hmm. I guess I could see that a little bit. Because I think that at one point she said, tells Donovan that he's reckless, and then she's like, I like that. I kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a, good, that's a good uh, Angela Bassett there. <laughs> I wish you guys could have seen the little sh- uh, shimmy shoulder thing uh, that Tyler just did. 
uh, I mean, that being said, they're both like probably two of the most attractive people on the planet. So there's no doubt that there's going to be a little bit. Maybe we'll have like a really angry four-way between them and the Countess and Tristan. A Ooh. sex battle. That's a, that's a lot of attractive people. <laughs> uh, so we follow Iris, obviously, a little bit more. And this is when her kind of depression is really sinking in. Um, and she connects with Liz Taylor over blood and triple sec. Love it. So obviously Liz Taylor knows immediately that she's been turned. Which, I, you know, Iris is trying to kind of... And so did Ramona, really. So, you know, they're trying to hide it from the Countess and Tristan. And it seems like it's probably pretty obvious. Yeah. So they've got to be, like, real ignorant. I know. Like, I, yeah, like, if Liz can pick up on it, like, of course the Countess should be able to pick up on it. And maybe she did. But when the whole, the tension with uh, her and Tristan trying to leave and then turning around and coming back and, like, and does she, like, smell her or something? And, like, uh, Iris is just tripping, sweating balls. Oh, that was fun. I liked that scene. Well, I, you had to think that, A, that was partly the transition, to, but also, like, her coming down from, like, a lethal, pretty much near-lethal overdose of heroin. So that's I think right. almost that's probably what was more screw, like, fucking with her than anything else. I so let's talk about, about <laughs> she took so yeah. much heroin to take so down a horse or something. <laughs> right. Oh, Sally. Anyway. So let's talk about let's let's talk about these hipsters for a second who are checking in. Who are uh, mm-hmm. obviously caricatures of the people alive. <laughs> and yeah. I ha- like they were ridi- ridiculous too, like an outlandish degree. Obviously, we have Darren Chris here from Glee, a Ryan Murphy, right. Brad Falchuk veteran. I, I kind of felt my, found myself rolling my eyes at them. Like, I knew that they were supposed to be caricatures, but it was just, you know, it it, I felt a little much. bit like, I felt like, oh, we're making fun of millennials again. This is Yeah, new, and that's know. so tired. I hate, like, yeah. it's really annoying. Like, they could make them hipsters and not be, I, I don't know, I think it's supposed to be fun because, you, you know, obviously we ultimately see Iris get her uh get her swagger back by taking these kids out but it would be fun if they made them a little more uh appealing to care about you know just so it's like oh man like you know but they're really there as a plot device for iris well and i was almost wondering if the reason they made them so despicable is just so you'd be rooting for iris to kill them yeah it's like how iris got her groove back yeah (laughs) oh and angela bassett was in angela bassett was stella (laughs) um another and just a random literary reference here uh liz taylor's reading candide in the lobby they read some uh classic literature i mean everybody's reading pretty sophisticated stuff here liz taylor's not reading any trashy romance novels or anything like that i love how liz taylor like holds her book while she's reading too it's so just like 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 awesome and fabulous and cool yeah liz taylor's the best um, yeah, and obviously, I think right around that scene is the point where the Countess and Tristan, in quite the uh, excellent costumes, are about to leave, and then they kind of were steampunk dressed, I felt like, a little bit. A little bit. Mm-hmm. But they're just your Silver Lake hipsters. I, I was talking about... Um, oh, oh, the, Gaga. The, Count- the Countess and Tristan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I have no idea where they're going. I mean, some Halloween party, I guess we can only presume, because I guess that day was still supposed to be Halloween or before Halloween. But uh, like you said, not really clear if they smell Iris or what exactly the situation is. But obviously, 
you know, I'm not sure whether the problem is that they really didn't know that something had happened or like they just don't care enough about like they think that she's so weak below. Or, yeah, that doesn't matter yeah, at all. Like who cares? They just yeah, they just dismiss her completely. I don't have the energy. Ugh. Well, right. And you and you kind of get the sense that neither one of them is necessarily anticipating in a rebellion, so to speak, from right. yeah. the other people who are in there. Uh, and then we get more of those terrible hipsters in their room service ordering with the, was it grilled romaine is the thing yeah. that they, they flip their shit around. Romaine. Yeah. And, uh, and but, Iris goes like, like, I don't know these kids. Like they eat their salad cooked. <laughs> and then they give them the cat food instead of the pate. Um, you know, Liz had a line in here. I think this is where they both connect uh, connected on was, you know, that you see everything when the world doesn't see you, which is kind of like being an outsider and observing everything else. Um, Absolutely. Being being invisible to the rest of the world, which was, you know, a theme going in here with, obviously, Iris had said that right out straight that you know, that's the reason that Ramona and Donovan wanted to use Iris is because she was invisible. Um, do you think that part of why Donovan brought Iris back was to use her as a spy? Or do you think that's something he thought of after he brought her back? Cause it seemed like it was very spur of the moment when he, I think it's a, I think it's complex. There's shades of both in there. I think mm-hmm. he like, as you know, he wanted to save her, but I think he also found use for her. Right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Liz Taylor's backstory. Do you want to, so 19, the year's 1984. Um, you want to walk us through this one? Sure. He's on a business trip. I believe he's a pharmaceutical sales rep, and he's on a business trip with two of his buddies, and they're all coming back. Uh, and they were ta- they're talking about hitting up the bars or the strip clubs uh, that evening at the Hotel Cortez. And uh, uh, what's Liz Taylor's real name? I already forget. Philip was it? Philip? I didn't even write it down. Anyway, Dennis O'Hare. <laughs> uh, they, they're go- going back to the hotel rooms uh, down the hallway, and he's like, you guys go ahead. I'm going to stay in tonight. And like, oh, don't watch too much porn, uh, which is always a great hotel joke. <laughs> uh, and then as <laughs> as they uh, they go into the rooms, uh, he goes in this really great monologue as, uh, as Liz Taylor's narrating what's happening um, about his uh, affection uh, or affinity, I should say, for dressing in women's clothes, and it also it started with his wife, who had the same uh, body size as him. So he would take her clothes, and when they were on these business trips, he would put them on at uh, night and strut uh, down the hallway where he could feel like he was himself and free. Well, he'd never actually strutted down the hallway. Oh, you're before, right. Sorry. It sounds like that's right. He went to go. Wait, wait. How did when did when did Countess find him? I think that he orders champagne. The champagne comes to the door. He goes to the door to open the, you know, he goes to get the champagne, turns around and she's in his room. That's right. And, and really this is, I would say the most compassionate we have seen the countess so far in this whole season. This was like, this was like a very sweet connection between the two of them. I agree. Um, That being said, I still think there might be a little, like there's just a slice or a shade of a little ulterior motive. I don't know. I just can't trust the Countess completely. But yes, this does appear to be the most compassionate she has been for a character. Well, and she's very sweet and like, you know, shaving his head and putting all the makeup on and like turning him into this Taylor. Giving him his name, literally. Or her, yeah. her name, literally. Yeah. Naming her Liz Taylor and making her feel confident and convincing her to go for a walk in the hall. Um, 
this was very, you know, it was it made me think of, you know, Born This Way, the Lady Gaga song. I think she oh, might have totally. Been... Yeah, she's, I think she says to him, you don't like beauty, you lack commitment. Because he's like saying, oh, I'm so ugly, I can't ever be. Um, and so, yeah, then those guys come back and basically Well, that's when he struts him. down the hallway to get ice, right? And, or something like that? Mm-hmm. Gets the ice, comes mm-hmm. back. Well, they keep those calling guys him come... the F word. Oh yeah, and then the guy, one guy kept saying, "Do you have AIDS? Do you have AIDS?" It's like okay. I touched you. Oh, they were terrible. And then the count of slaughters them both. So, yeah, that was satisfying too. There's a lot. There's a number of satisfying deaths I would say in this this particular episode. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of assholes get it. <laughs> but uh, Liz was never infected. She just you know stayed um, Liz. stayed at the Hotel Cortez. From then on, and sounds like he uh, or she sent money back to her kid in Oklahoma. Is that what they said? Um, every so often, but never saw them again. I forget. Yeah, he's... somewhere in the somewhere yep. in the Midwest. Um, yeah, ne- uh, the Countess though never infected her. Um, it doesn't really sound like, seem like she has a close relationship with um, the Countess anymore. No, they don't I, really she, talk or... I mean, they... Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like live and let live. It's like Iris. She just doesn't really interact. I mean, obviously, she's the primary bartender, so that's right. probably when they interact. Um, the only thing that I... You know, it, you know, you, you feel so bad for Liz in this whole sequence. But he was, she was... When he was Philip, he was kind of mean to his, his son a little bit when he was like, he drew the wrong airplane. But I guess the Im- implication is supposed to be he was so unhappy with himself and his exactly. life and who he was at that point in time. I think that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, that it did feel feel bad for him. So I thought that was, a, it was a cool origin story. Or maybe he didn't want to be a father or something there. But yeah, it was, it was him being unhappy more than him being a jerk, I think. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of... Uh, Basically pushes Iris to like not be bullied by these, yeah, um, Silver Lake hipsters. Basically hearkening back to when he was kind of bullied by, I guess these these terrible guys, his former coworkers. Um, it's something that's just funny that I thought was funny about the hipsters is like none of the stuff that should really freak them out about the Hotel Cortez is freaking them out. It's like oh the quality of these towels. Yeah, <laughs> like, like well what are you doing there? Did you not read the reviews on Yelp? <laughs> also, um, I love I love that. Uh, what does Iris say to them? She makes fun of their salad. Oh, they call they they ask her, "Are you Alzheimer's?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think that. I said they even said all timers, like as if they yeah, didn't know like. What it was. <laughs> Uh, and then she, I think the first thing she does is shove the corkscrew into the girl's th- throat. Isn't that it? That's, it was, this was, that was very brutal. Yeah. Um, and I think she, the whole time yep. she's killing him, she kind of gives him a monologue about like, you think the world didn't exist before you were born. You have no idea what it's like to scrape yourself. It was very like baby boomer lecturing millennial this part. I mean, I, I didn't like that they made it such yes, like a commentary totally against was. millennials instead of it just being like people bullying Iris regardless. That part was right, dumb. but we, but, you know, go ahead. I would say at work, we talk all the time about how sick and tired we are of hearing millennial uh, stories on NPR or read stories about millennials. It's just like, unless it's something really relevant or interesting, I, I don't care anymore how spoiled and, 
and privileged they all think they are. And yeah, this is that. Like, okay, know, I got it. We've been, we've just been beat over the head with it a little bit too much. So yeah, I didn't. I, it felt like one of those scenes where they were here. Exactly. It felt like one of those scenes where they were un, in, into what otherwise would have just been like a kind of a fun scene. They were injecting some kind of message a little bit, which I didn't necessarily think was was necessary. But those were they were terrible people. So I was rooting for Iris to slaughter them. Oh, totally. <laughs> And ultimately, it kind of uh, forges a friendship between Iris and Liz. I think at one point, you know, Iris says, you know, we've never talked this much before and kind of admits 20 to, years. Maybe admits to like having judged Liz a little bit and not really um, being willing to open her mind and stuff like that. So how have they not talked that much in 20 years? They're the only people that work there, I feel like. <laughs> well, Liz is always reading, obviously. So. Yeah. <laughs> Liz has a book club every week. <laughs> Uh, but it was it was kind of sweet that they bonded over that. I like and, that. Yeah, I like that friendship. And there was, you know, I think Iris says something pretty cliched, like, "I never knew how to live until I died," you know. Yeah, which is cliche, but also like true and sweet. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of go, "Ah." Yeah. Come <laughs> see you, girl. <laughs> and then they toast their fancy red wine that they took from the the slaughtered kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and kind of finally, I don't even know if we'd call this a storyline. I'm going to call it like a. A tangent. Mm-hmm. The John Low. We're gonna call this one John Low tangent. Because uh, we had a little bit of Low in here too. Uh, he's trying to explain this the soiree he went to last episode to. I assume it's his boss, maybe the ch- chief of police. Or oh something yeah, like chief, that. Uh, yeah. He's also. I don't know if you recognize him, but he was in uh, Prison Break. I remember him, Robert Knepper, Knepper, or something like that. He, he was in Prison Break. He's a pretty hmm. good actor. I like him. He's creepy, but he's good. Yeah. Well, really, Lowe's the one who's definitely coming off as crazy in this. I mean, not just from what he's saying, but his behavior is um, yeah. just so erratic. He, I mean, it's like he's no longer thinking through like how he's presenting himself, you know, and clearly he's just losing it. Um, no, sorry. I'm missing my scenes up. The, fir- the first time we see Lowe, he's waking up with uh, Sally, isn't he? Yeah. Does that happen yep. later? I think that's the first scene. He's yeah, he's waking up with Sally. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember which order this happens. In. That might have happened. And I don't either think way. They're not really, they're not really connected. So the one with let's finish the one with the police, the police chief. Basically, he gets his his badge taken away and everything. Um, and you know, we they talk about Lowe's psychotic breakdown from five years ago, which is obviously the breakdown coming after losing Holden. Holden. Right, which we right, really yeah. didn't see the repercussions that had on his work. So it sounds like maybe he like really went down the tank after that, and like had to have a psych- psychiatric evaluation, and like this police chief kind of vouched for him, right? Uh, which also kind of regrets is, doing that. Yeah, and I think that probably compounded the, the marriage, pro- the marital problems he was having with uh, with Alex as well. For sure. Oh, absolutely. And I and I'm sure Alex was obviously going through her significant mm-hmm. loss where she was secretly blaming low too also um you know it, that what i guess suppose that also means is that low's been kind of a crappy policeman for the past five years is that's how they made it sound like he really right. it wasn't worth having him around for the past five years yeah he says he get, he says something like but you know what about my track record or, or something along those lines and the chief's like it's been shit <laughs> yeah so. you've been terrible um this is maybe the one of the most I thought the most significant scenes of the whole um, 
episode, and I'm t- and now I want to talk about the Sally scene. Okay, because I feel like there's some we're they're hinting at a lot of things here, and I'm not entirely sure what to make of it. Okay. So when I ask your opinion, I'm excited. You know, obviously Lowe Lowe wakes up next to Sally. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, they're banging. They had 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 sex. She uh, scratched them all up. We get flashbacks to them getting drunk in the bar. Um, Drillbit Dildo just seems like he's kind of hanging out, not really being involved, but just kind of observing. What a useless Drillbit Dildo. <laughs> being a little peeping Tom, like um, the judge in Sweeney Todd or something. Uh, but yeah, John gets tanked, and him and Sally um, have a good time, but he doesn't remember anything. Right. Doesn't remember anything. He says. Even though we kind of see bits and pieces, he says he doesn't remember anything. Um and Sally says a few things to him that I think are significant. She says, like, you always do this or something like that. And then I think she says, we did special things here. Uh, and I can't imagine she's only just talking about them having sex. She's talking about the butt. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's what that was saying? Okay. Maybe I was reading too much into it. <laughs> uh, what it really brings me back to is more theorizing about, like, him... Being a ghost, a killer, yeah, like being a murderer of some kind that he's not yeah. aware of. Like, it seems like he has these these blackouts where he does things he can't remember. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. If we want to read it that way, I absolutely, I agree. I think he definitely has some history there that we are just not privy to because he doesn't recall it yet, and we, he's kind of our uh, our uh, um, guide in this world in a way. So he will, um, as he remembers things, we will see things, but unless he doesn't. Uh, then we're not going to see it. Do you watch the show The Leftovers on HBO? I do. I'm not caught up. I'm like two episodes behind right now, but yeah. Okay. Um, so, but then you know the the main character Kevin Garvey, played by Justin Thoreau, Thoreau, has this this problem where he like blacks out for periods at a time and then wakes up and doesn't remember like where he got what things and he, what happened. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, this felt kind of similar to me, where I think it's a cool plot device because. You're in the position where you're like you're learning things about the main character as he learns th- things about himself. Exactly. Yep. Yep. It's very uh, memento, also. That's true. Oh well, yeah. Uh, that's uh, definitely key. <laughs> so I want to ask you: <clears throat> of these three plot lines, where did after you know seeing kind of these these were almost separate stories, one from the next. Yes. How. How do things add up to you as a whole for this episode, and, and how did you feel about everything? I I really loved this episode. So I, um, as far as the three storylines go, the top one for me is likely the uh, Liz Taylor and um, Iris burgeoning friendship. Uh, I think we got a cool backstory for uh, one character, so we got to see her transition. That's Liz, Liz Taylor becoming Liz Taylor, and we also got to see Iris, who is just recently transitioned to be uh this vampire uh into uh this you know more confident person um and it, that that friendship's pretty awesome too i liked that i thought the uh the uh, alex infecting the kid and the kid infecting his classmates was just damn right fun <laughs> or downright fun it was it was silly it was scary it was goofy but it was it was just so fun uh, and i really liked it uh, the John Lowe, that you know, that's there. It kind of just rode in the back for me. Didn't didn't do anything wrong. It didn't do anything great. I like that he's now more incorporated into the world uh, through Sally and and uh, going to the bar and drinking. Um, I find it odd that he 
doesn't remember that his son is in that hotel somewhere and he isn't looking for him um or what's going on with the daughter i have no idea uh but uh, still the grand still the grandparents still the, i guess we can I only guess, assume yeah um but all in all i thought this was great like we talked about the the themes here are uh, parenting and transition and we see a lot of that happening uh in a really uh in clever fun ways and with p- characters i care about uh, I would add, I would add another theme being mm-hmm. an outs like being an outsider oh, being yeah. I, I, you know what I mean Absolutely. being isolated being bullied yes yeah yeah it's funny you see uh, even like the countess kind of becomes Alex's maternal figure in a way as well because she gets her you know she says you're you're only here as long as you're loyal and you do your job well so she's expendable so she has to obey her her mother you know or she gets the boot. And if, if she wants to be spend eternity with her son, this is these are the rules. Another interesting point I want to make is that um, in this episode we have both Alex basically being told that she has to stay at the hotel and be the governess all the time that she can't you know she loses her job um, or has to give up her job, and we have Lo get fired. So we kind of we're taking all these characters and kind of confining them from outside settings almost right right this is a this is a pivotal it's episode like a condensing of worlds which is interesting yeah i think this is kind of solidifying where everyone is where they're gonna be so everyone's moved from point a to point b and now we're gonna see i think from point b which is everyone in their roles at the hotel uh to the ultimate uh demise of the hotel in some form or demise of some characters in some form um but yeah, here we are. Where everyone's everyone's ready for the party, and we're about to start now. And with, um, I guess, everybody in such close proximity, you're gonna. I mean, you obviously leave the door open to interactions of all kinds between different characters. Um, I'm excited hey. about that. So, what 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 would you rate this episode overall then? I love this episode. It was probably my favorite of the season so far. So I'm gonna give it a four and a half. Oh, I like that. Four and a half drilled like dildos. I just really liked it. In, 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 stars! In my... We're not doing drilled dildos. Oh, yeah, dildos. sorry, sorry. Stars! <laughs> oh, God. It's the measles, or the, <laughs> my, my rash. I need some, I need Dr. Alex. So uh, you got yeah, vaccinated. I, four and a half stars. I liked it a lot. What about you? Right on. So I would say... Um, Thought the you know I feel like that I I really liked the Iris Liz Taylor storyline except for the millennial message about it I felt like tainted it slightly for me purely um, but plot otherwise advice and shoehorned in to make a statement about something that didn't need to be a statement exactly so I thought that was probably that storyline that was my biggest um, dislike of that and obviously very short cameo by the way by uh, Darren Chris yeah <laughs> in and out um. And it, I, the the kids' storyline it was almost entirely independent of you know really moving. That could be another. At cool least it spin-off. seemed that way. I'd watch that show. Man, maybe that's maybe that'll be what it is. Maybe that'll be a future season. Is like out out you know outbreak, and that's how the American they Horror set Story it outbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think someone had already even theorized, or maybe we had theorized already uh, in an earlier episode. So I, I liked that that storyline too, although. Um, you know, I I think that now I, I feel better about Alex's motives and things like that after we've ha- had time to talk it through it together. In terms of the low storyline, he's just going he's going nuts, and I think that they're I I really feel like they're heavily heavy handedly hinting at bigger things for him that he's not aware of here. Right. So I you know you kind of feel like some big reveals are coming regarding 
his storyline. But I think, you know, considering he's our primary kind of vehicle for coming to the hotel and moving through things, I think that they had to have him be have a, a couple scenes here. Right. It wasn't a full storyline, but it was just kind of a few new revelations to continue moving, you know, moving his plotline forward a little bit. I think I'm going to give it a four. Okay. Um, I'm not quite as high on it with you because I was so irritated with the millennial stuff. And yeah, with I mean, I know that they were being humorous, but with just that paired with how over the top they were irritated me. I think that if they were that over the top and they didn't have this whole thing about like, I was talking about how like, oh, these, these kids always these think kids these days. Oh, they're so entitled. You know, if, if they didn't have that, I think that I would have been okay with them being so ridiculous, but that made it just irritating for me. So yeah. I'm going to give it four people. Yeah, so that that overall nine and a half, I think that's a damn good score. Maybe the best score of the year so far. Yeah. Or sorry, eight and a half, eight and a half. But I, I think that's still my that is the, the highest best score. we've given. Yeah. So which it, I'm also going to say is pretty impressive that we're giving it this high score at this point because normally, like I said, this is the part where we're starting to be like, well, you know, there's a couple Stuff good scenes, but it didn't add up. But yeah, <laughs> we're kind yeah. of gu- feel like the writers don't really have a direction. I do feel like the writers have more figured out this season, maybe. Like, they have actual goals that they're moving toward that we don't know about as viewers, yeah. which I appreciate. It's a lot tighter of a of a show right now as opposed to, even though Asylum still is my favorite, like, that stuff, there was just, like, a million things happening at once, you know? This feels a little more uh, cohesive. Not as scattered. Yeah. I agree with you on that, too. We're not getting introduced uh, so to So talking about things. next episode, it looks like we're... Right. Uh, it seems like coming up, we're really going to dig into Lowe's psychotic breakdown. Um, I think, I, which he's been on that trajectory for a while, but it sounds like we're finally at a tipping point where he is for real going nuts. Um, and then I think we're also going to start seeing, uh, finally, the rebellion between, you know, Ramona Donovan versus Tristan and the Countess. And we'll see kind of who gets taken down in, in that war, so to speak. But I'm excited. And I'm very curious to see how they plan on taking it. I think it's going to have to do with the kids. I think that they mentioned doing something oh, with the kids. Yeah, taking the kids out. Yep. So that'll inherently tie Alex in too. Yep. And John. And John. No, um, Will Drake this episode. Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. He wasn't around. He was at some Halloween parties maybe. Yeah. Strutting his stuff. <laughs> awesome alright well that was a fun episode and uh, we <laughs> apologize again for kind of taking so long to talk but we're glad that we were able to talk and really if we talked on Wednesday Chris would have been so out of it it would have been no fun for anybody yeah th- and guys thanks so much for all the nice messages and stuff you left on our Facebook uh, and our in our Gmail it was really sweet I texted Tyler like oh my gosh <laughs> like you guys are so sweet <laughs> No, that was, we, we appreciate all you guys, uh, you listeners, and we encourage you to keep sharing your thoughts with us. This American Horror Story at gmail.com and facebook.com slash This American Horror Story. And of course, um, uh, leave ratings and reviews on iTunes. We really, really appreciate those and, and take them to heart. So that means a lot to us, and we thank you guys for doing that. Uh, that being said, uh, Chris, where can people follow more of you this week? Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted. Snapchat the Chris Husted. What about you, Tyler? You can follow me on Twitter at tjmoss11 and Instagram and Snapchat. That's true. It's my everything. <laughs> For reals, the one fell. All right, smooth. guys. <laughs> well, until uh, until Wednesday, only half a week. Wait this time. Um, I'll go ahead and say it. Happy hauntings. Happy fall. On a dark desert highway. <laughs>
Shoot it up and